if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, and we're going to look at this passage in our series, A Life Worth Living. Just as we do that, can I mention one or two things? Uh, we have Eddie Lyle, the director of Open Doors, coming to share with us at the beginning of June, uh, the first Sunday in June, and that will be, he's an excellent speaker, worth coming to hear about, a bit about the persecuted church. And, uh, and just learn about other Christians. And then on the weekend of the 17th and 18th, we have our anniversary weekend. We've got a gathering on the Saturday. Um, we've got a Sunday full of baptisms and picnics and all sorts of things. And uh, so do come along and be part of that as we do that. I'm really excited about doing a dedication. I don't think I've done a dedication for a while, so that means I'm a little out of practice. Don't worry, Rosie, it's okay. And, uh, but... but it, um, it kind of reminds me of, of when my children were young. And uh, some of you have heard this story, so forgive me. But, but uh, my, my daughter loved getting her photo taken. Interestingly enough, so does my granddaughter. She just loved it. And, uh, and uh, the, uh, my, my, my youngest granddaughter, she, uh, she, she'll now jump around and suddenly stop and go, geez, as if take the photo now. And, 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 and my daughter was a little like this. And I remember once we went to the first school race. So she was in primary one. And it was our, like, our first school sports day. And you know how parents are not competitive at all when they go and watch their kids? And I wasn't that kind of parent at all. But I did give her a little bit of coaching beforehand. And, uh, and we, we, they all lined up. I think it was like 50 meters or whatever. Uh, they were about to run, and they all lined up, and it was very exciting. We were shouting and things. And, and then the gun goes off, and uh, they start running. And uh, my daughter amazingly ends up in front. And we're going absolutely ballistic. It's brilliant. She's going to win the race. This is great. And, and at this point, we thought we would capture the moment on film. And in these days, we didn't have... Uh, mobile phones. We had to get out old cameras, and uh, and we we just and and my daughter. I'm not sure how she managed, but she kind of discerned we were about to take a photo in the middle of this race, and so she stopped, turned round, <laughs> posed for the photo, and got passed by everybody and uh, lost the race. And uh, and uh, and whenever the, that story reminds me of this passage here that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter three which is about running a race and not losing focus. You see, Paul's talking here about our need to maintain the right kind of focus. You'll know if you've been part of this series that we've been looking at Philippians and, and about how to address these questions of mental health. How do you develop a resilient mindset that helps you tackle life? in this difficult period of time. And, and Paul deals with all kinds of themes and subjects in Philippians that help us do this. But here particularly, he deals with the thought of focus. He's saying, your focus is so fundamental to how you run your life, to how you run the race of your life. Um, in 1992, there was a very famous moment. And uh, can we go to the slide? in the Barcelona Olympics. Uh, and uh, there, was, there was a guy called Derek Redmond. Some of you may remember this moment. 
And uh, he, he had won the 400 meters in the World Championship in 1991, was tipped to win the gold medal. He was all set up. His whole life had been preparing for this moment. And he was in running in the 400 meter semi-final. And uh, the gun goes off and he started to run. And about 150 meters into the race, his hamstring goes and uh, he, he falls to the track in pain and agony. All the other runners run and finish the race. And, and he sort of stays there for a second, then he gets up, and he literally starts to hop towards the line. And as he's hopping towards the line, his dad comes, and all the officials are trying to get him to stop and kind of say, it's useless, it's finished, it's over, give up now. And his dad comes and he says, let him finish. And his dad and Derek crossed the line and the crowd went ballistic. And although he lost, he actually became a MasterCard advert. <laughs> I don't know if that's achievement in life or not. But, but he finished. And he became an instance of someone who was so focused on completing the course, on getting across the line, that he became this example and this model. And, and here Paul in Philippians is talking about exactly the same thing. He's saying, focus on the line. You see, there are different philosophies in life. And, and Paul kind of touches on, on some of these. There are those who are prisoners of the past. And they live their life always looking back, you know, always looking at the things that maybe they feel they've lost or, or they've been neglected in relation to or, or things that have happened to them and that have made them bitter. And they're, they're kind of prisoners of the past. And they're always constantly looking back to that. And they never get beyond the past. And their focus is always to the things that people did to me and how I was hurt and how I was injured and how I wasn't given this and how this didn't happen to me. And they constantly live in that place, prisoners to the past. There are those who are slaves of the immediate. It's all about the now. It's all about, hey, this life is what there is, and you've got to live each day for each day's sake and find as much pleasure as you possibly can in each moment. And they're constantly chasing the new experience, the new high, the, the, the new feeling and sensation that you can derive from whatever means that you can derive that. And people become captured by the immediate and then Paul talks about those who are driven by the future, who recognize that our focus should not be on the past, should not even be on the present and the immediate, but our focus needs to be on the future and where we are going. don't know if you've ridden a bike in a wee while, but um, a friend of mine gave me a, a present of a bike a couple of years ago. And... Uh, uh, I hadn't been on a bike for quite a while. And of course, you'll very quickly discover if you're on a bike, you can't cycle if you look backwards. You fall off. <laughs> In fact, if you look downwards, you'll fall off. The only way you can cycle is if you look forwards, as if you are heading to a particular direction. And Paul's saying this, he's saying the key 
to effective living, the key to effective mental health is actually going forward. He, he says in verse 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to obtain this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive towards the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. See, the reality is you cannot shape the past. The past is now gone. But you can determine where you go in relation to your future. And in a way, each day is about that decision in the light of the future. And Paul's saying that when we live our lives, we need to be driven by that sense. And we need to be driven by a sense that actually there is more to life than life. If that makes sense. There's more to life than life. He's saying the only way that you actually get the right focus is when you recognize that in this world that you will not ultimately find what you are looking for. Yeah, you might, you might think it's here. You might think it's a relationship. You might think it's a house. You might think it's a car. You, you might think it's a holiday. You might think there's just that magical thing that will meet that craving inside you. And Paul says, if that's your focus, you've got it wrong. Because this world is passing and temporal. And he's saying you need a focus to recognize that our lives matter beyond this life. To have a focus. And he says, when you get that focus, when you understand that our lives are more than just what we do here on earth, he says it begins to shape the way that we live here on earth because we're looking towards that future reality, and, and we get driven by a desire to become Christ-like. And, and so Paul lived a life seeking Christ-likeness. He lived a life which is saying, you know, when I get to that point, I want to have a life that reflects the future to which I've been heading. don't know if you've ever gone out on a, a night out or a date or something like that. I'm sure most of us never have, but but if you have, you'll know that, especially if it's the first day or something, you spend quite a lot of time preparing. You know, you get your hair done, you, you, you make sure you've got the right clothes, you make sure you smell good, and that's just the guys. And then, and, and, and because, you know, you're preparing for an event. You're preparing for something in the future. And Paul is saying, you know, that's what we need to be like. We need to recognize that we are preparing for a future reality. Because Jesus came into the world so that, and C.S. Lewis says this, the Son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. And when we understand that we're living life not for this life, but for a next life, that this life is like preparation, we're getting ready for a future reality, it actually lets us get the most out of this life. It's, it's kind of a weird paradox that actually the way that you live life to its fullness is not by living life for its fullness, but living life as if there's something beyond this life. What Paul says is, if we don't do this, then we lose focus, and we end up prisoners of the past. He, he, he says, you know, that we begin to look back and we never believe beyond our past. I mean, I'm sure we've all met people who every time they, you sit down with them, 
they'll just reel off all the hearts, all the disappointments, all the bitterness, all of the letdowns in life. Do, you ever met people like this? You know, and, 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 and it's not to say that those things that happened to people weren't real. No, not to say that they should be dismissed. But they've come to define the individual. You know, I'm what happened to me in my past, and I'm defined by my past. Maybe it's wrong choices that you made. I'm defined by the wrong choices that I made. And suddenly what you do is you build a little prison for yourself where you're constantly saying what might have been instead of thinking about what will be. You become preoccupied with the disappointment. And what happens is you become cynical and you become apathetic. You know, you say, what's the point? You know, and everything, everything that happens, you're just negative about it. And you're saying, oh, it's too good, or oh, that, they're going to come for a fall. <laughs> and there's just a negativity that permeates everything. Both says that's one of the consequences of not focusing on the future. He says the other issue is when people focus on the present. You know, live life for the now. Sensei culture. And I'm sure if you kind of watch adverts, you'll, you'll see that so many of them sell their products by telling us, you know, get this and you'll have this amazing experience. Your life will be wonderful. Everything will be complete. And, and you kind of think, you're going to get that from a deodorant? Really? Uh, but that's, that's kind of how it's sold. And, and oftentimes we're sold the same way about kind of material lifestyles. Well, get the right house, get the right job, get the right partner. And, and, and suddenly everything is going to be great. We seek pleasant emotions rather than productive effort. And, you know, it's all about health, wealth, and happiness. You know, we live in a generation which has pursued these things more stringently than any generation in the past. You know, our generation has been all about health, wealth, and happiness. And you know something? Our generation is the most miserable generation that has ever existed. You know, it's that. You know, and you go, well, why's that? You know, surely we should be the happiest generation. We've pursued these things. We've made these things our focus. We, we've lived in the present. And the problem we have is, you see all this stuff, whether it's material stuff or even relational stuff, is that it's temporary. You know, it's temporary. It doesn't last. One of the brilliant things you should do with Rosie is every moment's precious when they're that age because they change so fast and it disappears so quickly. And, and it kind of, it, it moves on. So it's great to celebrate that, but also then recognize that it's a movement towards something else and not constantly look back, but recognize there's a new thing and a new day and a new way of living. And discovering that, you see, the, te the, the past or the, the present is temporal. And, and, you know, whatever it is, you know, you get wonderful children and they grow up and then they're not so wonderful. And, or or you, you get that amazing car, and then suddenly it breaks down. Or you get that house, and suddenly the roof leaks. Or, or you, get, you, know, you get all this stuff. 
and we live our lives and we define who we are in terms of it. But you know what? It changes and it's taken away. And the thing is that because life is hard and tough, a lot of this stuff dissipates and disappears. And Paul says, you know, there are people who have built their lives chasing this stuff. And he said they're miserable and end up being not very good human beings, believe it or not. Why? Because they haven't recognized that life is about a future, a future reality that you should be living for. And so Paul endorses us and tells us, look to the future. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, Martin Luther said this, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And Luther's saying there, you know, when we actually live for the future, nobody can deprive us of what we build in relation to the future. One of the great things, and again, it's the opportunity that you have as parents, and it's a brilliant thing, you get the opportunity to build into your children's lives when they're young. Okay? There, there, there comes a point where you no longer can do that. Uh, it's a scary moment. Uh, I think it's getting younger, actually, when that point comes now, where suddenly your influence counts for nothing. But well, as they're young and they grow, you get that opportunity to build into their lives for the future. And how do you build into their lives? Well, if you live a life that is focused on the future and not driven by the bitterness of the past or preoccupied with seeking the sentient life of the present, then you actually become an example of someone who reflects a resilience and a direction and a sense of purpose and a sense of drivenness, a sense of, I know that my life is more than this life, and I'm driven by that. And you become an example of healthy living. You become an example of the sort of person who provides model to our children. It's really scary the way that kids imitate us. Have you noticed? I, my uh, grandson, he's been living with me for the last few weeks. That's why I'm bleary-eyed and incoherent. But, um, but he's eight months old, almost the same age as Rosie. And, and it's brilliant. I can go into a room now and go... And he turns around and he goes... Back. And it's like, this is amazing. It's the most exciting thing in my day. I know it's sad, but true. And, uh, but, you know, he doesn't just stop with... They watch. They watch the attitudes of their parents. They watch the attitudes of their parents towards their faith, towards church, towards other people. They watch. They learn the example of how we behave in our attitudes. Whether we're caught with a bitterness in relation to the past, or whether we're preoccupied with the present, or whether we're living with a sense that our lives are more than this life, and that there's something beyond us. You know, we model it in our relationships in the way that we treat relationships. You know, so for some people, relationships become everything. And our relationships are good and positive. They're not everything. They're not everything. There's something beyond us. We model it in our church. You know, we can either be people who model a persistent negativity and disappointment. We can be people who live our lives as if the, this life is all that there is. And we end up living lives which aren't fulfilling for us. We end up providing bad examples for those around us. And we end up with lives that are ultimately hollow and without meaning. Paul says, don't you understand? Jesus Christ came into this world. He died on a cross and he rose again. So that we understand that this life is not all that there is to life. 
that we understand that Jesus is alive and that he's told us that he's going forward to prepare a place and it's in the light of that and in the focus of that we should live our lives not preoccupied in prisons of the past or slaves to the imminent but people driven by a future vision of being like Jesus let's pray Lord Jesus, we thank you for the reality that you've shown us. I thank you, Lord, that our paths do not have to define us. I thank you that we do not have to be slaves to the immediate, that there's more to life than just health, wealth, and happiness. Lord, I pray that you would be, help every one of us get a right focus, that you would help us to center our lives on you, and on the life that is beyond, so that we can understand and enjoy the life that is here. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.